Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding. My name is John Green, and I'm your host. And it is now the third week in Advent in the year 2020. So we are a little beyond halfway. There's one more Sunday of Advent, and then the following week will be Christmas. So um, there's a lot going on, right? I mean, just a weird, weird time in the world and in American history, all the challenges over the election and the uncertainties about what's going to come next, whichever side you're on, there's uncertainties and all this stuff. One of the strangest times we've ever seen. I don't have a clue. Um, what's going to happen? Don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. If there is anything you can know from 2020, it's don't get too comfortable. Things can change very quickly. Life can change dramatically and quickly. And and I just want to reflect on that some this week because I think it's important for us. It's The big thing, though, to know is, is that this is called um, Joy Sunday or the Sunday of Joy. The ancient liturgical term for it is Gaudete Sunday. And it's based on the first words that are spoken when the, the liturgy begins. Whatever church you're in, by the way, you've got a liturgy. You, it's called a program a bulletin, any of those kinds of things. But some churches, you know, have bigger liturgies. But most of the time, our churches follow a pretty predictable pattern for their worship. And there's a good and bad in that, right? I mean, I think there's good in it. I think that that in the pattern, there can be room for um, God to show up, though. I think that's an important thing always to remember. God could show up and change the whole agenda. We can't We can't accept that in life, but not accept it when we come into the presence of the living God for worship, Right? So there's always the possibility God will change the agenda on something if we're willing to allow him to do that. And I think that's important. But but in the liturgy of the Western liturgical churches, the liturgy begins with a recitation from Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so that's Gaudete is, is rejoice. That's the Latin word for rejoice. And so um, there's a song that I've posted on the Facebook page. I posted a, um, a series of songs actually today for worship. I'm going to begin doing that every week and try and connect those with the theme of the worship for the week. And so you'll see there'll be four or five songs there depending on the week. Um, there'll be four or five songs there. So I just want those to, to use those, I would say, as um, either intro before you listen to the, um, to the podcast or if you don't feel much out of the podcast, listen to them at the end or both. So anyway, you can get worship either way, but but I just want to reflect on where we are, and, and it seems odd in 2020 to even use the word joy, doesn't it? I mean, it's really been a weird year, to say the least. Um, we, we can forget so many things that happened. You know, there were 30 hurricanes in the United States this year, and if we just kind of focus on, on things that happened here, we can lose our minds because we've got, in addition to this COVID thing, We've got 30 hurricanes that happened this year, the most ever in history. We had in 2020 as well, in Australia, 3 billion animals were killed or displaced by the fires. There are 15,000 fires that consumed about 28 million acres in Australia. In the U.S., just the western fires consumed about 8.2 million acres, and the smoke got so heavy from those fires that even in Seattle, my son Pelham lives there, and, and where they live, they usually have a more or less unobstructed view out to the bay and to the uh, uh, all the way out, and they couldn't see it. 
were unable to see it because the smoke couldn't leave the house. Had to make special provisions around the windows um, to keep the smoke out of their house. And they were hundreds of miles from the fires. The smoke was so bad. You saw pictures. You remember pictures from downtown San Francisco in the height of those where the sun and the moon were changed in color because of the smoke. Well, if it didn't just happen out there, though, as far as that's concerned, the darkening of the sun, the moon, and the stars happened not just through those fires, but through the Saharan dust storm that came through here, where we live on the East Coast, in, Jan in June of this year. That was creepy and weird looking, but it changed the heavens. Are you seeing something here? Are you seeing a pattern? Are you seeing a sign? There were locust plagues all over Africa. Floods in India. Locust plagues also in um, India. It's There's something happening. Are you listening? Are you seeing? Do you blame climate change? Or do you say, Lord, what are you saying to us? got to come up with those things, right? I mean, we've been struggling through this year. I, you know, personally, I've had the same, I've had one issue that's happened four times now this year where one of my feet will swell dramatically and hurt badly enough I can't hardly walk and can't put a shoe on. Four times since March this has happened. And it's been variously diagnosed as um, gout, which I knew it wasn't because I've had gout before. And if you've ever had gout, you know good and well what's gout and what's not. And then, well, the second time they tried to diagnose it, they tried to tell me it was gout. I told them it's not gout. They did blood tests and said it's not gout. What is it? It's arthritis. It's the same treatment. You give them prednisone. Here's your steroids. See you later. The third time, I talked to my doctor, and she said, no, if it's not, it wasn't gout. I don't think it's arthritis, John, because that doesn't sound like arthritis. So what is it? Well, it's pseudo-gout. Really? Make-believe gout? Is that kind of what I mean? Something like gout? Um, what's the treatment for that? What do you think it is? Spreadnazone, steroids. Here you go. We're treating the inflammation again and again and again. So finally it happened this time, and I went immediately because I wanted somebody to see the immediate re reaction here. And so what they told me was, oh, you've got cellulitis. And that was Monday of this week. And so they gave me some antibiotics and sent me on my way. And three, he said, if you're not better in a couple of days, come back and see me. Well, in three days it was worse, actually. So we went to the emergency room, and they said, well, that antibiotic's not strong enough. It is cellulitis. Um, but nobody can figure out how I got it or where I got it. But the problem is I've probably had it since March, and it just manifests from time to time. And so now I'm taking some really heavy antibiotics and then some um, topical antibiotics and then also prednisone, of course. <laughs> so, But the pain this time, I had to ask them for some pain medicine. The problem is I got the pain medicine and I can't sleep when I take pain medicine. So I sleep an hour at a time and wake up for an hour and then go back to sleep. It's it, It's been miserable. <laughs> I'm so sick of 2020. I can't stand it. But in the midst of all that, God is so good. He is so good. He has given me several new wonderful friends this year who are, who are friends in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. In spite of all this mess, he's given me some of the most remarkable people that I've ever known in my life, and I'm so grateful for that. And and this morning I woke up and I was thinking about a, a really close friend of mine from work and, and just felt like I needed to 
to say how much I love her and how much her friendship means to me. And, and I'm beginning to think, you know what, we need to be more responsive to those words in our lives. When we hear the Lord telling us to be thankful, then we need to be, right? We need to be not just thankful to Him, but sometimes we need to be even more vocally thankful for the blessings that He gives us in our lives. And so, because I, I think if we don't do that, we'll spend too much time talking about the things that we're not happy with. And I'll tell you, if you do what I'm just telling you to do, and you worship more, and you listen to those songs instead of just listening to John, then it'll change you. It'll change your life. It's intended to change your life. It's intended to bring you out of the mundane, to bring you out of the day-to-day, to bring you out of the stuff that you're doing in, the stuff that's causing so much problem. And it's, those things are real. But we're called to, to come out of that. And to move into something else. And, and that something is joy. That something is, is, is to rejoice in something that transcends what Solomon said were those things under the sun. Joy is based in something that can't be taken away. Joy is based in something eternal. I'm not trying to draw a huge distinction between happiness and joy. I'm not sure that it's real, to be honest with you. But I think that what I've got to do is point you beyond your external circumstances to that greater thing, that thing that lives inside of you called the Holy Spirit. It's the hope of eternal life and the joy of living in the Spirit today. You don't have to wait to experience that. I, I, I remember hearing a story one time that a, a minister told, actually, that was sort of against evangelism. And, and the story went something like this, that, that somebody you know, began to feel that evangelical zeal that they needed to go out and become a missionary. And, and, and they went to Alaska, and they went to a remote group in uh, Alaska and went there and shared the gospel with them. And one of the people then responded, you know, I was perfectly happy until you came here. And now you've shared this with me, and now you're telling me that I've got to make a decision one way or another about this. And, and if I make uh, the wrong decision, there are eternal consequences for that. If I make the right one, then I get eternal reward. But, but today, I, I'm faced with a dilemma that I wasn't faced with yesterday, and I was perfectly happy yesterday. And now I'll never be as happy or as certain the rest of my life because you've given me this choice to make so given that reality why did you come to me today and disturb my happiness and and that person who told that story told it approvingly didn't tell what paul harvey would say again is the rest of the story well you don't have to wait until you die to receive the reward of living in christ today and him living in you to get the joy of the spirit to get the joy of the knowledge of eternal life inside you today and to begin to experience the change brought about by the Holy Spirit indwelling His people. You have new joys ahead of you. You have new thrills, new experiences, new life now. That's why I told you that. You get the whole package But that person that told that story didn't seem to understand that. They, they were too caught up in whether or not the person was happy today or not. Well, I'm sorry if it disturbs your world if I confront you with the necessity of making a decision about what you're going to do with Jesus. But I care enough about you 
as a potential brother or sister in Christ. I care enough about you as a human being, one who's also created in the image of God. I care about you enough as my neighbor, as defined by Jesus, to speak words of life to you. That's why I came, because I love you. It's the joy that, that can't be contained that can't be contained by circumstances, that can't be beaten down by circumstances, and too often we allow it to be because we don't rejoice in the Lord always. Think about the way you spend your time during the day, how much of your conversation is rejoicing in the Lord versus how much of it is talking about how awful things are. I mean, I you know work for Amazon right now. I'm doing customer service. I'm answering the phone. I've had so many conversations over the last 10 months-ish of horrible things. I had a conversation with a lady this week who had lost her mother and her grandmother within a 30-day span of time to COVID. They were both in uh, facilities. One, The grandmother was in an Alzheimer's or memory care, whatever, dementia facility, and her mother was in a, a assisted living facility, and both of them caught COVID and died in those places, and she was devastated because she was, she'd been caregiver for both of them. She's a nurse. She saw this, and what she said was, John, it's awful to lose your mother and your grandmother, but both my grandmother and my mother were older women and both had multiple comorbidities. John, the bad part, the horrible part, was that both my grandmother and my mother died alone in those facilities. I wasn't able to go and be with them as they died. I wasn't able to provide touch. No one was allowed to touch them in the period when they died. Then, same day, actually, I had a, another conversation with a nurse in uh, West Virginia, and we talked about what she had seen and what she had experienced and all that. And as we got to the end of that conversation, she said, John, but, you know, as bad as all that was, do you know what the worst thing is? You know what the answer was, right? These people died alone. They were by themselves. There was nobody there, and nobody was allowed to touch them. Well, we as human beings are not made to be that way that none of this is um the way human beings were made to be i wasn't made to breathe through a mask wasn't made to hide my identity hide my face from the world and i definitely was not created in order not to attend the dying one of the things that actually exploded the growth of the church after the persecution and everything else was the fall of Rome and the plagues that happened during that time. And, and the reason that the church exploded during that time was that Christians didn't care about their own lives, and they stayed behind and tended the sick while those who were not Christians fled. Is the same true of us today? Can we say those same things are true of us? Are we even allowed to do those things, to go and care for people? But if we're, even if we're allowed, do we? I had another friend this week bemoaning the fact that it was going to be a really cold week, and the only church in downtown where most of the homeless are who was opening their doors to the poor was a very liberal church that we would hardly say confesses Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. And yet they were opening their doors to the poor, to the homeless, so that they could come and... and be warm. We care deeply about people dying alone and being alone and 
being comforted, being held, all those kinds of things, but do we just care in thought? Or do we actually care? And I don't want to go to that place right now, but I have to go to that place because I'm trying to wake you up to the joy in Christ Jesus that should impel you to go and do these things, should impel me to go and do these things. I'm no more um, innocent of that than anybody else. I, this, is, this is all speaking to us. If the church can be filled with joy, if Christians can be filled with joy in the Lord, then we'll begin to do different things. We'll begin to live different lives. And so that's the point of this. In the midst of um, Advent, which is a penitential season, this is meant to be the light that awakens you to the light. Right? This might be a two-part thing again this week. Next week will definitely be two parts, but this might be as well because what we've got to do is we've got to awake. And I want to begin that process right now with um, the passage from Isaiah that we start with today. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the, the passage Jesus takes for his text in the synagogue in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. Let's begin that today. Let's begin to make that proclamation today. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Let's begin to accept the, the words that Jesus says here or to characterize him. And, and then what it is, it's an invitation because he says today, in your eyes, this scripture has been fulfilled. The spirit of Jesus lives in you. We are the hope of the world. We are those who are to bring Jesus into the world by embodying and doing the things that he did because he says greater things than these will you do. So we're not just proclaiming what Jesus has done. We need to also be proclaiming what he is doing and we need to be proclaiming that in word and deed. Listen to that again. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is you saying it now. Because the Lord has anointed me and he has anointed you and he has anointed the church to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Remember what he said a few weeks ago in Luke's gospel when, when he's separating sheep and goats. The sheep are the ones who did these things, these very things. Bring good news to the poor. Bind the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening, the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You're to be that proclamation. We are to be that proclamation. That's our proclamation, and it's our job, it's our mission to do those very things, to bring hope to a world in darkness and without hope. And if we've ever, in the 60 years that I've been alive, experienced and lived in a time when, when the world was in darkness and without hope, it's today. The world needs us to do exactly what I just read to you. 
But not only are we proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, we're also proclaiming the day of vengeance of our God. Look around you at the stuff that I started this little talk with. All the things that are happening. Open your eyes. We're proclaiming the day of the vengeance of the Lord while at the same time proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And the job then goes on to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Did you hear it? That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be those people who rise above all this stuff and who instead have a different message to proclaim. The year of the Lord's favor, the day of the Lord's vengeance. We got a year to proclaim the Lord's favor and we're proclaiming a day of vengeance. This isn't final. It's a brief day in time as opposed to the year of the Lord's favor. And we are then to begin to lift up those who are mourning. And there are many who are mourning in these days to give them a beautiful headdress, beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So after the day of vengeance, he says, they'll build up the ancient ruins. They'll raise up the former devastations. They'll repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. In situ, Isaiah is proclaiming this to those who have been driven out of Zion, those who have, have had to, been forced to leave Jerusalem, the city of God, the land of God and who are in exile in Babylon. And he is proclaiming this to an exile people, to a people who have seen the destruction of their own land, who have lost everything and have been driven to another country by a foreign ruler. And they will now live as subjects there rather than subjects of the true king. And they will be out of the land, and it's God's will that that's happened. But he talks about a day of vengeance and a year of favor. Do you see the difference between those two things? So, yep, while this might come at night, joy comes in the morning. And then before we get to the last part of that reading, I want to drop back to the psalm for the day too, which is Psalm 126. It's always been one of my favorite psalms, one of the psalms that, that I held on to and still hold on to very tightly. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then were we like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the Negev. Those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy. 
Those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come again with joy, shouldering their sheaves. That, that's the response of God's people to the fulfillment of the promise that I just read to you from Isaiah. That's the appropriate response of God. We've already experienced much of that. The greatest longing of our heart, the greatest prayer of every human being is save us. We live in a fallen, busted, and broken world. I've said it a thousand times if I've said it once. I've been watching the television show on Netflix called The Crown, and it's about the British royal family beginning from the time of the coronation of King Edward, which is, uh, who is um, Queen Elizabeth's father, up to the present time. And, and you see the internal struggles that are there, and, and what a mess their lives are. And you look and you go, wow, what a mess their lives are. But the other side of it is, is you can finish that sentence with just like ours, just like everybody else's. The human condition is the human condition. No matter how much you have or how much you don't have, it's the same. The cry of every human heart really is, save us. Because nobody's life is as perfect as you think it is. There's something in everybody's life that cries out for salvation, cries out for perfection. And there's only one answer for that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. It's not going to be a Joel Osteen kind of world. You can't live your best life now. As John MacArthur says, if you're living your best life now, then your plan must be to be in hell for eternity. It gets better than this. We've got to wait for the fulfillment of all that, but the joy of the Lord is the knowledge that it will be. In spite of the way things are now, the joy of the Lord transcends that because I know that all things will be right and they will be right throughout all eternity. There's a day of the Lord's vengeance, but there's a year of the Lord's favor. And so that's the response of God's people, not just to the restoration of their fortunes, because it begins with when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and in the middle of it, there's a prayer, restore our fortunes, O Lord. They're looking forward and they're seeing what it will be like. And, and that first part is a prophetic thing that says, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. They can see it. They can taste it, they can feel it, and they're experiencing it. They're stepping into the joy of the Lord in the midst of their captivity, is what that says. And then to the end of Isaiah, and then I'll do that second one in a little while. The end of that reading from Isaiah now, after I've dropped back to the psalm, comes back, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in the Lord. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. He's done the things he said he would do. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the Lord brings forth, as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. That's today. Today is your call. Today is your wake-up call. It's joy in the midst of this dark season of, of Advent as we await the coming of Jesus, as we await to celebrate the birth and the coming into the world of Jesus. Today is the day that righteousness and praise shall sprout up before all the nations. And it begins with you. 
it begins with the church. It begins with Christians shaking it off, shaking off all the stuff of this past year, shaking all the stuff maybe of the last 60 years, the last whatever many years that you've been in mourning, that you've been under the circumstances, that things haven't broken through for you. Today is the day. Today is the day that you begin to praise Him like they did. They're still praying for restoration, but they're worshiping today. They're worshiping that breakthrough. They're worshiping what He will do because you know through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you that indeed that's coming. Whether it's in this life or the next doesn't really matter. Worship Him today. I'm going to pray the prayer that we have in our liturgy for this week, and that is this. Stir up thy power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we're sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Amen and amen. It's your call to rejoice. It's our time. Begin today. Don't wait till this is over. If you want a new normal, there you go. There's your new normal. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice.